So it looks like you opted for an iPad Pro. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> Do you want the long story or the short story? Uh, if you tell a long story, you can put it in the podcast. All right. <laughs> well, I have repeated some parts of this to you. Um, so I went into the Apple Store. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, last we spoke about it, I had keys that were failing on a three-week-old MacBook Pro, the 2016 model. Um, so like right. shift and question marks and pretty important keys, like left shift and question mark, which is also forward slash. So I took it into mm-hmm. Apple and the genius was like so agreeable and so nice. I should have suspected something was up. But what he said was, yeah, like three, uh, four keyboard failures is too much. We're going to replace your keyboard with a 2018 because it has gaskets under the keys. These were his words. He said gaskets under the keys. You're not going to have right. the same problem. Uh, the catch is that we can't do it on the spot because you bought this computer at a retailer, uh, like a, a authorized reseller, whatever you call them. Um, so we, we need to have it approved by someone, which is uh, like a week and a half turnaround time. So I said, sure, that's fine. Uh, give me a call. And fast forward like four or five days and I got a call. Come in, come and pick up your new MacBook Pro. So I went in there and like started doing the paperwork part and then i noticed that it wasn't a touch bar so there's no way it could have been a model with gaskets under the keys after all that right so they were just giving me the 2017 macbook pro non-touch bar um so you know i've heard that the keyboard is like marginally better it's like a 1.5 update but Mm -hmm. I expected, uh, yeah, my expectations weren't met since he definitely said I was getting like a decent model. Um, right. What did they What did they say when you brought that up with them? So here's how it went down. Picture this in your mind. I'm, I'm in the Apple store with my wife and son. Um, she says, okay. all right, I'll go out the back to speak with my manager. She walks away and my son just vomits all over himself. Like <laughs> <laughs> he was in his pram. And his pram was like a swimming pool of vomit. It was disgusting right in the oh, middle of the oh. Apple store. Okay. So, so I turned to <laughs> one of the other geniuses and said, uh, sorry, just tell her I have to go. I can't hang around for this. So I left at that point. Mm-hmm. So that was the trip to the Apple store. That was a good one. <laughs> it's a bad omen. Yeah, it was a bad omen. But anyway, we ended up resolving it. Well, not resolving it, but... We ended up clarifying what the deal was over the phone later that day, which was they were happy to give me the 2017 for no cost, or they were happy to mm-hmm. uh, let me pay to upgrade to a touch bar. So 500 Australian dollars, it's probably what, just under Man. 400 US yeah. to get the touch bar. Okay. And uh, I started just, you know, adding it up in my head. Do I want to... Like, on principle, do I want to pay for a problem that's kind of Apple's problem? And I decided, no, I didn't really want to. Did I want to risk it with the 2017? Uh, No, I didn't really want to do that either. Um, So, (laughs) there wasn't really another Mac I wanted to buy, honestly. So, I've ended up with an iPad Pro 11-inch instead. And it's only been, uh, it's been less than a week since I bought it. Uh, but so far, I'm incredibly happy with it. And how did that work out for you? Did they offer to to swap it, or did you just buy an iPad outright instead? Oh, right, yeah. I skipped that part. I just took to the local classifieds to get rid of the MacBook Pro. Um, oh, you took the 2017 and sold it? Yeah, I just took it 2017 and sold it as brand new in box. I didn't even take the plastic wrap off. So I, nice. I got not a bad price for that. Certainly more than I paid for the iPad Pro, uh, which I also got off the classifieds, so I got it like a... 30% off and it's like less than two months old so in the end oh, I nice. come out with a bit of cash and with a piece of hardware that is incredible and what's your first impressions after a week with the iPad Pro it is incredibly fast I think I've said incredible quite a few times to describe this over the last <laughs> half a week and 10 minutes <laughs> really yeah I I mean I had the iPhone 10 for a year so mm-hmm. I, I know what like a modern iOS device feels like but this just feels to be next level like just going through the interface um, with like the fast response screen and like a nice big screen um, the, the first thing I mm-hmm. noticed when I was setting it up is 
often I just use Siri to like search the app store for the app I want to install. And mm-hmm. you finish the sentence saying Siri search the app store for, I don't know, Discord. The app store would actually open with the search results already loaded, which just blew my mind. No iOS device I've had has done that. Like even the iPhone ten, like it would really? it would like open the app store and like sit on one of the tabs for a few seconds and then load the search tab and then the search results. Oh, um, uh, okay, yeah, wow. So that, that was my first impression. It was incredibly fast, and uh, that's just been reaffirmed over the last few days by everything else I've tried to do. Um, and so, case in point, I'm recording my audio on the iPad. Um, Oh, another one of the little benefits I found with the new iPad was when I bought it, I also factored in, oh, I'm going to have to spend like $300 on dongles. Uh, and then like half a day realized that, oh, actually, all my MacBook Pro dongles work with the iPad. And um, Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's USB-Z. <laughs> so very happy to find that. And I was also even happier to find that you don't even need the powered dongle. So I'm talking about the one that's uh, like... One end is the iPad, the other end is USB-A plus power, whether it was Lightning or mm-hmm. USB. See, I assumed I would need that to run the Blue Yeti um, because it... Oh, cause, sure. Because previously I have plugged that in with Lightning to USB-A and it just hasn't worked. Um, not realizing that right. USB-C to USB-A does provide enough power, so I don't even need to oh. buy that dongle. Yeah, in the past when I've had to plug in uh, like a Blue Yeti to lightning i've had to use a powered usb hub in between the lightning adapter and the actual blue yeti itself so it's getting separate power exactly yeah that's what i assumed but um, because i cheaped out in the past none of my usb-c hubs were actually powered and so i was (laughs) thinking here we go here's a you know 50 dollar purchase or whatever it is if it's the apple one it's like a hundred dollars yeah but no you don't even need power anymore which it actually makes the setup a lot simpler there's no more like wall to dongle to iPad and then out the other end to microphone. It's just iPad and microphone. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah. The I'll, picture you sent me is very, very clean setup. Yeah, I'll post that on the Twitter later as well. Um, because yeah, exactly right. that. It's nice and clean. It's just uh, <laughs> just two devices. So the only downside now is that, of course, I have to use two iOS devices: one for the audio between me and you, and one to record the uh the blue mm-hmm. yeti's microphone audio i don't know what the solution for that would be it either needs to be apple needs to allow multiple apps to use audio at once or someone needs to make a podcasting app that allows voice chat and recording at the same time and i think I there like the are more probable. online solutions already to do this i'm not sure how they work on the really? ipad um but remember when we did the episode with Guy and we right. we had the audio running via a website and that website also offered the uh, the recording f- uh, function, which we didn't use. But that could right. potentially solve it. Um, in app form, it'd probably be a lot better. You're right. How are you finding the iPad Pro just overall as a laptop replacement? Uh, admittedly, I don't do my day job on it. Um, I'm just borrowing my right. wife's MacBook Air to like the, the few hours a day I need to do my day job. Um, okay. Just because there's this... There's this ridiculous website that I have to log on to for my day job. Um, it like logs me into a certain right. system, and if you switch mm-hmm. the tab away, then it loses connection. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I I, <laughs> I can't even try. But for everything wow. else I wanted to do, it's so, so one of my biggest uh, roadblocks in the past to actually using an iPad. Um, was to do with photos. Like if you look at my screen time, photos is like the highest thing every week of what I use iOS for. And sure. previously, uh, because I take a lot of photos on like a DSLR with no geotagging and also on like uh, film cameras, then I come into photos mm-hmm. with like bad dates and no geolocating. So, I mean, it's not essential, but iOS like puts things into memories when you have all that metadata associated Right. And I didn't believe that there was any way to add that metadata on iOS. I was always doing it in Photos on the Mac, uh, which is a terrible mm-hmm. experience. Like if you've used Photos uh, extensively, you find like shit keyboard shortcuts like stop working all the time and do random things when you don't want to, and it's just a major hassle. Really? Huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Um, but turns out there is an app, uh, Metapho, M-E-T-A-P-H-O, something like that, a $6 app. And it can do just what I described, add, uh, edit metadata and add geolocation, probably even faster nice. than I was doing on macOS. So really nice. I found yeah. that and that was like one of the last major roadblocks of me making iOS like a full-time thing. Did you get the accessories, like the keyboard and pencil with it? I didn't. I've been certainly thinking long and hard about doing it. Um, right. I have had the, I've had both before. The pencil I didn't find I used a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe because I never really had it with me. <laughs> you know how it is. It's like it sits on a desk. <laughs> right. It's not, it never attached to the iPad except in that ridiculous uh, killing people way. And... <laughs> <laughs> And I did use the smart keyboard a lot on, on the last iPad I had. That was the iPad Pro 9-inch back in 2017 uh, when I had a go okay. at you know, making it my, my main computer then as well and failed after a week or so. Nice. Um, I do have a couple of reservations about doing it. Firstly, I'm not an artist, so do I really need the pencil? It's <laughs> it, right. it, um, I know it can navigate the UI like more precisely. It could come in handy editing podcasts even. Um, mm-hmm. But I've still got to convince myself of that. And the keyboard, my only reservation is it kind of it adds bulk to the iPad. Like the new um, non-keyboard case, is it still called a smart case? Uh, smart, oh, just the non-keyboard case? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, Maybe smart, I'm not sure. Smart cover, folio. I'm not sure smart what it's cover. called. Yeah, yeah. It's it's incredible. Have you held, uh, felt one on the iPad? Have I felt what? Have you felt that smart cover like attached to an iPad? It, like, it barely adds like a millimeter on either side. It's really a step really? up from the last one that I used, which did add a little bit of bulk. And this one is like it's barely there. It's something I would happily leave attached to the iPad all the time. And I'm just worried that. Once I've added a keyboard, then it's going to become like this bulky thing that I don't want to carry around with me anymore. Right. But I'm, I'll probably get over these reservations in like two weeks and then just buy both and have them sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't see myself really using the Apple Pencil much, but I would just want to get it to play with like the new way it connects and charges with the iPad Pros. It does look neat, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And... I mean, I've looked at a lot of videos of people using it, and one that stood out is MKBHD's videos, how he actually uh, manipulates all the photo editing controls in, and video editing controls on his iPad with the pencil. Because you, right. you get a fair bit more precision. Yeah. Yeah, there's some pretty uh, professional things you can do with the iPad Pro, even though a lot of people insist you can't. So we'll just have to see if my battery lasts the duration of this podcast powering a uh, usb microphone <laughs> all right yeah hopefully so uh i've also i don't know if have you seen the jonathan morrison videos of editing videos and music on the ipad pros yeah i have they look really good he's got some yeah some pretty in-depth like really featuring professionals like working for an hour plus on the ipad pro and it's it's really impressive what people can do it doesn't really matter what tools they have. It's just the talent. Yeah, I think if you, yeah, you, you kind of you plan out what you're going to do and you have everything ready and uh, like all your resources that you're going to put into the video and then you can kind of just mm-hmm. get the work done. It, the tricky part comes when you, I don't know, say you're trying to get some audio for a video off SoundCloud and there's no like YouTube DL to grab that audio that you wanted and then you, right. you, you know... At that point, it's handy to have a Mac around just to do that. Although I hear YouTube DL works in a limited fashion on the iPad now as well, so maybe that's a moot point. Oh. <laughs> All right, that was quite a quite a story. <laughs> did, did you like the vomit part, the best of all? <laughs> that's really funny. That's, I was I was curious the other day, and I never actually bothered to get around to asking you why, because uh, you had sent me the message saying that you had had gone in and they had offered you the 2017 and that you'd have to figure it out another day. And I was, I meant to ask you why you like, what was the delay and why you couldn't figure it out in the store that day. But <laughs> now I know 
Like my kid rarely vomits, and like if he does, it's just like <laughs> a little drizzled, you know, down his chin. This was, right. <laughs> this was next level. This is really awful. <laughs> like it's probably the worst, one of the worst times he's ever vomited in the last year. God, there's like pizza from the night before. <laughs> I'll stop there. <laughs> it's def- definitely a sign. At least it wasn't peak hour. It was like the middle of a, I don't know, Tuesday or something. So, Oh, yeah. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Quite There's the... Uh, going on. Yeah, quite the week. There's actually so much yeah. going on that I almost forgot to put in probably the most important topic. <laughs> because it's like, oh, yeah. a, it was a week old news. You know the news about the, um, the rumored 16-inch MacBook and 6K display? Oh, I got sure. that in there at like the final hour because uh, I had been bumped off the top of the Reddit. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, but we can actually kick off with, this is the highest uh, post on the Apple subreddit and it's actually kind of more about the more about Samsung than about the iPhone. Uh, so the title of the post is, The Galaxy S10 will wireless charge an iPhone XS faster than the, included, faster than the iPhone's included charger. This is a self-post by Jackson10102. Um, mm-hmm. So apparently the S10 has a charger, well not apparently, it definitely has a charger built into the phone, like a reverse wireless charger. Not only does it right. pull juice from a Qi charger, but it'll put out juice to anything else. So it's, it's basically a Qi charger itself. But the question is at what rate does it charge things now what i'd heard before i saw this post was actually only is rated at four and a half watts Uh, and if we know from if we if we've read like tests that certain companies anchor have done if something's rated to wireless charge at say five watts then you're getting like 60 percent of that in real life like a seven and a half watt wireless charger is going to charge at the same rate as a five watt wire charger um I didn't see a whole lot of discussion about that. I mean, someone did point out in the topic, it's the second highest uh, rated comment, just scrolling to find it, from Terrandal. That's by you, Terrandal, yeah. Yeah, according to The Verge, the S10's reverse wireless charging is 4.5 watts. So does that mean in real life we're going to get like 3 watts maybe, reverse wireless charging? Uh, And then the article becomes a moot point, but what do you think? Yeah, there's a couple phones on the market that already do this, and it's been seen mostly as a gimmick. Uh, now, in the S10's case, they're specifically including this feature to charge things like smartwatches and the new uh, Galaxy Buds. Uh, and in that case, I think it makes a lot of sense to use your phone to charge the accessories. If you're charging another device as big as the phone or bigger, I really doubt the charger you can get out of it is going to be significant enough to make a difference in the device you're charging. And then also, wireless power transfer is so inefficient, you'd be giving up 80% of your battery to give someone else like 10% of a charge, uh, just because all that lost to heat and other elements. So, practically speaking, I mean, this is kind of a moot point already. You wouldn't you wouldn't charge another phone with the S10. Now, for the the intended purpose, I think it's a an awesome feature, and hopefully Apple will implement it in the next year or two. And there have been rumors that they would implement it. And yeah, agreed. If you can charge right. AirPods via the phone, that would be incredibly useful because there are a number of times I've been stuck out and about with the AirPods case not having charge. Um, you know, I, sure. It needs to charge so infrequently that I, it's not like a regular thing that I plug it in and then it just runs out at the worst time, of course. Um, but what I was wondering is if you put two reverse wireless charging compatible capable phones together... What happens? Do they reach like an equilibrium in the middle? Oh, I don't know. I wonder if they would just start to heat up <laughs> and damage each other. <laughs> they just both slowly lose all battery charge via heat and uh, small yeah. flames appearing out the speaker grill. <laughs> yeah. So, since this is our only uh, post about the new S10s, I kind of like to use this as a chance to talk about the Samsung keynote that happened a few days ago. Absolutely. Uh, what were your impressions of the whole keynote? I have to admit that I only watched the um, like the compilation version that gets like cut uh. down. <laughs> Although I did okay. watch the full um, presentation of the Fold, 
Is that what it's called? The the Note Fold? No, yeah. The Galaxy Fold, Galaxy sorry. Fold. Yeah. Uh, but for the rest, I just watched like the, the Cliff Notes version. And sure. they had an enormous screen up there. I mean, they've run this event in the same place that Apple has held events. And they really went all out when it came to uh, yeah. the screen, like top and bottom and sides. I think this this there could be some some bit of a language barrier issue going on with their presentations, but they they historically have been extremely awkward, and this event was uh, was no different. Uh, a lot of their speakers were were native English speakers, uh, but for instance, the person they had running the demos wasn't, and it caused some some uh, weird hiccups and made the whole presentation feel a little awkward. Uh, which is kind of par for the course for Samsung, but uh, overall, I was I was really impressed with uh, what what they had to present. Uh, I think the Galaxy Fold is is a really interesting new concept for a phone. I'm excited to see where it goes. Just back on the awkwardness for a sec. I don't think I'm not sure mm-hmm. if this is my like Apple colored glasses, but I don't think I've seen like a like a keynote from a major tech company that wasn't awkward as hell. This includes like Google, Microsoft, Amazon, all of them. They all seem to be incredibly awkward. I don't know if that's just me. Yeah, that... and the, the Apple ones never <laughs> seem that bad. Although Tim Cook does the old, oh, and Eddie Q, both of them can can definitely bring out the awkward when required. Uh, but thankfully we've got like, <laughs> Federighi and, um, yeah. and the other guys, uh, yeah. Schiller, to, to kind of dial that back to uh, not so awkward. Do you remember... This is probably like five years ago now. Uh, Samsung brought uh, Michael Bay on stage to talk about one of their TVs. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, I think it was like one of their first curved televisions. And they they brought uh, Michael Bay on stage to talk about how this curved TV was going to enhance your viewing experience of his movies. And he made it like one sentence into his his uh his presentation before i guess the auto cue or something cut out and he uh stormed off the stage just in the middle he just stopped talking and walked off <laughs> of course that's what you do that's the, the logical thing to do when the auto cue stops <laughs> i guess he hadn't yeah. re- rehearsed it even once to know what he was talking about <laughs> <laughs> so the uh the mc from Samsung was trying to like coax him along and ask him questions about the TV to try to get him to start talking again. And he just gave up and walked off the stage. And that's, that's kind of my impression of the Samsung keynotes from now on is just, that's the quality I expect from them. (laughs) I've got to go and look that one up. (laughs) Yeah. It's worth viewing. Uh, Back to the other point that the post was trying to make is, is it excusable or acceptable that Apple puts a 5-watt charger in the box still? Or do we expect something a little bit more? I personally would probably expect more of Apple. Um, When you're paying up to $1,500 US for a phone and and much more for you, uh, you you expect those little nice-to-haves to be thrown in. That's kind of... I don't know, the highlight of the Apple experience is you're paying more, but they've thought of all little details and it's all just this cohesive and perfect experience. And I feel like some of those small details have been falling to the wayside recently. Yeah, that's right. As the price of the phones goes up and up and you know, steadily every year, um, why not put in even a wireless charger? How about you add in some AirPods? Yeah, that's some crazy talk, but... Samsung is giving away their buds to the first like two months of pre-orders or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. When you're paying paying a premium, you kind of expect premium gear through and through. Saying that though, I don't think I'd actually find a use for a fast charger because I'm the sort of person that just kind of sticks it on at night or you know when I'm driving in the car. Actually, the car's a bad point right. because it's not not an Apple charger in there. But it, I rarely am in the situation when I need a charger that's faster than 5 watts. And uh, I don't know, are there any battery considerations at, at charging? There probably are some, I'm not sure if it's like thermals or, or what, that would degrade the battery's life when you're faster charging it. Um, that's oh, pro- I'm not sure. Yeah, I've looked into it before. I don't think I've reached a, like a solid conclusion as whether a faster charger would reduce the life of the battery. 
Um, but, but maybe that is a consideration, especially since Apple's like wanting you to keep phones now for, for more than a year. Uh, and it is normally right. around like the two-year point that you're seeing like a, a decent decrease in the maximum capacity that your battery can handle. I mean, yeah, there's the obvious fast charging means you're draining your battery faster and just more cycles in general will uh, will cause your battery to degrade faster. But that's more a usage thing than a speed of charging thing. So the fold is great. I think there's some some uh, inherent issues. I'm not a fan of how small the screen is with the phones closed. Uh, I think I think maybe even Huawei has a better approach with their Mate X. They announced a couple days ago with the the phone folding the opposite direction, so that there's a screen wrapping around the whole case, and you've got a full size screen when the phone's closed. Um, I think a bigger issue relating to folding phones, at least on the Android side, is that Android tablets have been a very uh, small market and a lot of apps have never been optimized for a tablet-sized experience because the Android tablets never really caught on. And so having that bigger screen is going to be pretty useless on the Android side of things, whereas if Apple were to release a product today that did what the Galaxy Fold does... They have this immense library of iPad apps and and universal applications that have all the different builds you can get bundled together. So when your phone's closed, it's running the phone version of the app, and you fold it, you immediately have this this uh, rich uh, iPad app that's taking advantage of all the space, and that's something that uh, the Android side of things can't do right now. Those are the two biggest questions, aren't they? Which direction should a foldable device fold? And uh, yeah, right. And the, the experience when it's uh, folded out as a, a tablet. Now, one thing I've been uh, pondering is: are these foldable phones or are these foldable tablets? More like a foldable <laughs> tablet, I would say, because in the I would expect the common, the most frequently used um, uh, orientation uh, layout, I guess, <laughs> would be the unfolded position especially looking at right, Samsung's yeah. because that, uh, was it like a four-inch screen on the front? It actually looks comical. Uh, it doesn't look like something that yeah. <laughs> should have been released <laughs> until you unfold the thing and then it's like, wow, this is um, this is next level. Um, and something that should, should have occurred to me, I don't know why I didn't think about this, but until I saw some hands-on with the, the Mate X, I didn't realize this. Of course, folding displays, the display can fold, but glass can't fold, so your your covering layer is going to be plastic no matter what. And and plastic is so much softer than glass; it's going to scratch easily, and it can uh, it's going to be more prone to uh, getting creases or folds in it. And I'm worried about how much of a downgrade the experience is going to be going from being used to glass phones back to plastic. That's right. When I was watching these videos. You know what I was thinking when I was looking at these like these horrible plastic displays and like all the smudges What's and that? they already look like they're kind of like dinged up a little bit. I was thinking this is going to be yeah. like using a plane on the back of an airplane seat. <laughs> you know what that experience is like? So it's like awful. They're all plastic yeah. screens, and they kind of they <laughs> they flex a little when you press on them. And I mean, admittedly, the the right. airplane ones are normally um uh not conductive. What's the other one? Like that, the, the, a capacitive versus resistive. Yeah, sorry, they're resistive, not capacitive. Uh, normally on an airplane, right. except for modern ones, at least are the ones I've flown recently. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just what I'm imagining. Like glass is just <laughs> so much better. Yeah, especially when you have to have a piece of plastic that's so thin that it can fold and unfold easily. Uh, it almost feels. I, the impression I've got is it's going to be kind of like this loose layer on top of the screen and not a f- like a a firm surface to work on and it's going to be very odd is probably the best i would expect from it yeah it just sounds awful, not uncomfortable mm-hmm. so what about the question of which way is the correct way to fold uh so samsung has got folding inwards as in when you when it's in the folded position the screen is on the inside and then you've got uh the screen on the outside and then as a huawei's got the screens on the outside so when it's folded, your screen is wrapping front to back. Right. I would, uh, uh, I'd say the Huawei one looks at the moment like the way to do it, especially the way they've got that, um, like, 
the massive notch, I guess you'd call it, down one side, one entire right. side of the phone. It kind of gives you a little handle for it when it's in tablet mode. Um, mm-hmm. When it's folded around the back, it is kind of uh, kind of lines up with that notch as well. And uh, it also houses things like cameras and speakers and whatnot. Right. Yeah. The Sam. The I'm sorry. The Huawei approach has a lot of benefits. Uh, for one, it has a le- one less screen. They just have the single large screen that they can fold. Uh, they don't like the, the Galaxy Fold has six cameras because they need a camera facing you in any orientation. Whereas the Huawei Mate X has three cameras, and the only reason they have three is because they want three different focal lengths. They could get away with just one as well because whether it's in phone or tablet mode, you still have cameras facing you, which is nice. Um, the The biggest drawback with screens on the outside is uh, going back to plastic, such a soft material, having it on the outside, you're going to be more prone to scratching your screen, whereas if you're folding your phone, then your soft plastic screen is protected when it's closed. So I, I there's a bit of a trade-off. can't there. even imagine what sort of case <laughs> you could put on these as well. Maybe, oh, yeah, no case. Maybe the socks <laughs> come back. Maybe it has to go in like an iPod sock when it's folded up, and that's how you carry it out. <laughs> Man, and that, you have to because otherwise you won't even be able to see your screen because it's so scratched. <laughs> and how about the notch on the inside of the Galaxy Fold as well? When I first saw it, I think, oh, they have they must have like a, a cutout there and the wallpapers, you know, just like with the... Um, the S10, like the wallpaper has a like a dark gradient mm. up in the top right to hide the fact that there is a camera cutout. Uh, but no, on the fold is, is actually just like a massive notch, probably like a whole <laughs> index finger worth of notch on the front of the screen. I don't mind it so much, um, especially on a screen that big. I feel like it's not going to be too intrusive. Um, and on the S10 and the S10 Plus, I feel like their hole punch design I mean, it's different, but I don't think it's any better than a notch. Having those few pixels around the camera doesn't give you any practically useful screen space. It's just their way of saying, look, it's not a notch. Um, so whether you go notch or hole punch, I don't think one is inherently better over the other. Um, I think you'd be better off going with a symmetrical screen design and centering uh, your cutout or your notch or whatever on the screen so the content can adapt better but uh i will say this the uh i mean ridiculous price tag aside of two thousand dollars uh the fold was the first non-iphone uh to pique my interest in a long time uh like five years ago or so i wasn't loyal to any brand and i was just getting whatever phone looked interesting at the time uh which meant I was switching phones every few months out whenever something new and exciting came out. Uh, but that kind of died down in the last few years. You know, all phones are about the same. Uh, this The Fold is the first thing in a long time It's that's kind of tempted me to stray from the Apple path again. That's exactly how I've been feeling the last um, you know X weeks or months, really, I guess. Um, like the What I've been thinking is that since the iPhone six form factor like it's it's been hard to distinguish what's an iphone and what's another phone like the the excitement has kind of left the iphone i would say um you know the four and the five series were these pretty iconic and barely copied designs and then it's just kind of become this boring thing now um and now we've got these other companies who have taken the baton on on uh, making things that have catch people's interest. So, I mean, we're not going to have like another mobile revolution or anything like that, but um, yeah, I can certainly see myself, well, no, probably not myself, but a lot of people I know um, jumping ship to the next more interesting device since, you know, the the design of like the S10 is as good, if not better than the 10s. Sure. So, and I've... I've made my case for why I think Apple could be a strong player in the folding phone market, but what do you think the probability of them actually getting into this market in the next couple of years is? Unless they can make it glass or a plastic that feels very similar to glass, I don't see mm-hmm. it being approved by the industrial design team. Um, sure. Maybe if it's 
it folds uh, like and just two pieces of glass like pushed against each other seamlessly and like lock in place. And when they pull apart, there's yeah. I'm kind of describing not a folding fan at all here. I'm just describing two screens and like a hinge <laughs> between screens, them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah, unless there is something that's very similar to glass, um, I'd be surprised. And if whether they go in the folding phone direction or not. Apple needs something to draw interest back to them and the iPhone specifically. Um, the edge-to-edge screen is not a gimmick, uh, but the newness of that faded so quickly. iPhone X was impressive for maybe a couple months before everyone had close to bezel-less phones. And so this this new design that they brought out to refresh the iPhone lineup pushed the industry forward a little bit but didn't do much to rejuvenate the iPhone brand and I think they need something bigger. What they need is something that's iconically iPhone again just like I described before like the 4 and the 5 series iPhones I would say they were iconic looks um, if they can sure. come out with the, the 10i or L11 or whatever it's going to be called. Definitely not a 10i. That was a, <laughs> a terrible mixture of, <laughs> of the name. <laughs> um, with the current iPads like squared off shape, uh, yeah, maybe maybe that'll prove to be another uh, like a lasting design. But uh, yeah, they've certainly got their work cut out for them. <laughs> do you think we'll see anything like that this year or do you think we're going to see just another spec bump this year for iphone if it's another spec bump then i, I wonder what apple's doing they, they've really got to yeah. come out with something or iphone sales are just going to continue to drop as they already are so i really feel like i don't know i i'm leaning towards this is going to be a spec bump for the iphone and this is really going to be the year of the mac we're going to see some really impressive changes in the mac lineup this year well with that uh at the front of our minds, Apple is said to release a 16-inch to 16.5-inch MacBook Pro with all-new design in 2019. Uh, this was a report yeah. from uh, Ming-Chi Kuo, and the report also included on the most gorgeous graphic. Did you see the graphic that uh, Ming-Chi Kuo, or at least his company, produced? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was amazing. It's truly incredible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I was excited about this. I sent it to you the moment I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Sorry, I forgot you sent it to me. Um, a 6K, 3K display also on the books. So the question with the MacBook is: Are we going to see? Are we going to see a uh, a huge reduction in the bezels uh, that brings it to 16 inches? Although I'm not sure if you could get um, the 15 to 16 just by reducing the bezels that much. Um, I'm actually not that familiar with the 15-inch MacBook Pro. I've never owned one. Um, do you have more experience than that? Uh, I mean, sure. I've mostly owned 15-inch MacBook Pros in the last five years or so. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you can get a whole inch out of the bezel, but I feel like Apple's going to try to keep the footprint as close as possible to the 15-inch and just get get as much screen as possible in there. Maybe they'll call it a liquid retina display as well and we'll get a nice... Man, that'd be interesting to see rounded corners on a on a computer and pushed all the way to the edges. Um, <laughs> I mean, hopefully not a notch for for face <laughs> ID, but <laughs> no, something mechanical that like uh, protrudes, like it uh, winds out of the top of the laptop no. screen for the camera. That's what I want. <laughs> They'd have to make the screen so thick to make that work. <laughs> so, um, but even. Even more uh, interesting than the screen, I think, is what are they going to do with the keyboard? Because if they're completely redesigning it, they have to, they have to know that Butterfly is just it. They either need to completely rework it with a similar mechanism that just doesn't let anything in at all, or they need a new keyboard design. And it doesn't really sound like them to go back to their old keyboard design. So I'm really curious what they're going to do there. The gaskets haven't solved the problem, have they? I mean, every week on the on the subreddit, I'm seeing posts from people with either the new MacBook Air or the MacBook Pro with the third generation keyboard, and the keys are still right. failing. You know, actually, there was one um, this morning, three weeks, a three week old MacBook 
uh, air it was. And uh, this wasn't the case of the keys going mushy, as I often had, but the keys double typing, like you press A and it types two A's or three A's. And uh, right. I don't know if that's dirt-related or just software-related. Um, but there's just no end to the problems with the butterflies. And it's... I, the the previous keyboards before the butterfly were universally praised. Like, everyone loved Apple's keyboards. And so I don't know why they felt the need to, to change things up as much as they did. Um but it's it's just really, it's really too bad. Is all I can say about it is they've they've really tainted their entire laptop lineup because this this one key component for interfacing with your computer is just almost unusable. So as far as Apple's laptops go, they're really going to have to to change some things if they want to gain back customers' trust on that. Yeah, like I said earlier. Or we'll say later if I switch the pre-show to the post-show. Um, there's, there's no <laughs> Apple laptop that I want to buy at the moment. There's, I mean, I've had Apple laptops for as long as I can remember, and I just would not buy one. There's neither the current ones or, or even going back and buying like an old 2015 or something. It's just getting a bit long in the tooth, and the new ones are and just having all these problems. Yeah. Uh, what I was thinking about it- this uh, increase in the screen size of the MacBook Pro. Maybe they're trying to position the market such that if you're a casual user and you just need like a smallish screen, then you're probably going to be looking at like an iPad Pro instead or just regular iPad. So you've got like a 9.7, 11 and 12 something inch devices. And then for the right. like the actual Pro, <laughs> sort of the the, the creators... No, not the creators. The creators <laughs> on iPad. I don't know what you call them. The uh-huh. the, the Pro Squared <laughs> group of people. Then you've okay. got these MacBooks and they have bigger screens. And, and then there is no crossover. Because at the moment, there's like a crossover between iPad screen sizes and MacBook screen sizes. I'm not saying they would get rid of that completely, right. but I think they want to increase the the spread of screen sizes and orient MacBooks and MacBook Pros to the higher end, which would be a 16-inch screen. And I'm not sure what the smaller one might end up being, but 14, something like that. Yeah, I'd expect around 14. And then, of course, this uh, 6K display that can only be coming out with this long-rumored new design of the Mac Pro. Uh, and I think that's probably what I'm most excited about this year. Right, there were some interesting mock-ups of what that 6K display is going to look like, weren't there? Um yeah, nine to five Mac had it as a an ultra wide, so I think it was a two to one aspect ratio, ultra wide six K, uh, and according to their maths, that worked out as a six K monitor. Uh, I mean, I've known this for years, and I think a lot of people have that ultra wide monitors are <laughs> really great for productivity, and like the screens on the iMac are already so tall, I couldn't I couldn't see them justifying going much bigger than the 27 they're already at. Of course, they had the gigantic 32-inch screens at one point a long time ago, but I think the the natural way to expand their 27-inch monitors is is uh, horizontally and not vertically. The opposite of the iPhone 4S to 5. <laughs> and the other logic behind that is when you have a your 6K monitor that's only grown sideways, it may look better placed next to an iMac that you already have there, um, like your 5K iMac, oh. so it'll, it'll line up top and bottom. And, yeah. Uh, just, I don't know, look more apple look cleaner, look neater on the desk. I guess the question there would be maybe the iMac Pros, but I'm wondering if uh, a regular iMac, the GPU is capable of handling its own 5K display as well as an external 6K display. And the regular iMac? Hmm, not sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do in terms of redesigning a completely modular Mac this year. Um, I think professionals are going to love it, and uh, even even just gamers. Maybe this will rejuvenate the gaming scene on the Mac, being able to build your own computer that way. Hmm. Yeah, I think the gaming scene for <laughs> Apple has kind of moved to iOS, hasn't it? Well and truly. 
I mean, they've they've tried the the iMac Pro. They pushed really hard that it could do VR games. So I feel like they're they're trying to bring that market together. And you say it's on the iOS, but with Marzipan and some of the future, we could see a lot of that coming to Mac soon. Oh God, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot talk about Marzipan today. We're already well over time. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else from that report that you wanted to talk about? No, I think that covers it. All right. Um, the next topic, I'm not sure we'll have much to talk about, but it's from uh, yeah. Armand 9X. Use my iPad Pro 2018 to 3D scan my dog. <laughs> uh, for anyone interested, he uses the app Hedges? I don't even know. H-E-G-E-S? Hedges? Um, I'm going with Hedges. <laughs> hedges. It's interesting. Uh, I saw down in the comments that it's a little difficult to use and and he used a like a mirror that he taped to his phone in order to keep his phone still and get a good 3D scan of his dog um and i saw references to potentially using that for 3D printing uh i don't know any practical use but it's kind of cool <laughs> one of the comments uh, actually said that the you know their dogs are getting on like they're uh, probably not going to be with them for much longer and like this would be like such a nice keepsake to to keep after their dogs passed away. I thought that was nice. Yeah, that's uh that's a uh, better than like a less creepy way to remember your pet than to take them and get them like stuffed or something oh, after they God. die. <laughs> so <laughs> start with 3D scanning your pets. <laughs> um the only other thought I had about this was that um so the iPad Pro doesn't have like a 3D sensing rear camera, only a front camera, because it's only got like face ID on the front, so it can do depth. But yeah, it's a bit mm-hmm. disappointing that it's a single camera on the back with no depth capabilities. Yeah, Apple's... It's interesting how how much Apple's been pushing AR. Um, and they've been really using the iPad to do it this whole time. Like if you go to Apple Park, they have a cool... Uh, AR display of their campus, and that's all done on iPads. Um, so they've been really focusing on single camera AR when they could potentially make a much better experience just by having these 3D cameras on all of their devices, and then they can leverage that in AR kit everywhere and not have to worry about relying on a single camera. Uh, so it's interesting that they've clung to a single camera AR experience when they could be optimized. And they've got to have a selling point for next year's iPad Pros. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with with the number of cameras everyone's adding to all our devices, we could have like a six-camera iPad Pro next year. <laughs> I have this thing about, um, was it the Nokia or something? It had like six, seven cameras on the back. Have you heard of trypophobia before? The new Nokia. Nine? Yes, trypophobia. Oh, yeah. man, I get, I get huge trypophobia. If Apple does anything like that, then... That's like an easy (laughs) not buy or abandon Apple for me because I cannot handle (laughs) clusters of anything, really. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, That's funny. (laughs) Uh, Intel says that 5G modems won't be ready until 2020, aligning with Apple's rumored 5G iPhone roadmap. Uh, And I found a, a funny comment. I should probably find it for someone, but... Um, they say like, oh, 2020, that sounds like it's ages away, but it's like months away. It's not actually that far yeah. away. <laughs> Sorry, I can't uh, find your comment. Man, I just am not a fan of Intel's modems at all. I don't know if you had much experience with uh, like connectivity issues after uh, Apple switched to Intel. Was it the iPhone 5? That had these problems? No. Oh. No, it was iPhone 7 when they switched to Intel ah. for GSM carriers. Um, which which I really noticed. Um, I lived on kind of the fringe coverage area. And I went from having serviceable coverage with no dropped calls or anything to my phone being unusable. And it's even worse for for my parents. My mom upgraded to an iPhone 7 and went from being able to speak on her cell phone at home all the time to not being able to use her phone at her house at all. Wow. Um, 
So I would, I really wish Apple and Qualcomm would settle their differences <laughs> so that Apple could use their modems or Apple just get on making their own modem and replace this really crappy Intel one. So I'm not excited about Intel's 5G. Um, I'm also not put off by the delay because there's not really any 5G coverage anywhere. So No, so 5G networks. We we have some towers starting to pop up. Um, I think there might be right. one in like some of the capital cities in Australia, um, but certainly not widespread. Mm-hmm. Um, and then phone-wise, I mean, what have... Oh, I haven't followed 5G that closely, but we've got the Samsung Galaxy... What's it called? Is it just called the Galaxy 5G? I think so. Uh, the S, it's the S10, but 5G model. S10 sure 5G. Exactly they're calling so, it. Yeah. And I think the Fold has a 5G variant as well. All right. Okay. okay. So these phones are going to be coming out in the next six months. Um, mm-hmm. But like all first gen or early like bleeding edge wireless tech it tends to run hot consume a lot of battery and not really live up to the yeah. promise despite what <laughs> the telcos tell me well i have heard that um over in the states they already have some version of 5g in quotes <laughs> that's coming to certain people yeah at&t they pulled the same gimmick with uh 4g when it when it started rolling out um uh back when 4g was rolling out uh AT&T had a HSPA Plus network that was slightly faster than 3G, but not really approaching the 4G speeds that LTE offered. Uh, but they were still quick to push that we're the first ones with 4G. And they rebranded HSPA Plus as kind of this 4G network. And uh, phones were happy to brag that they had 4G support as well. Even the iPhone 4S replaced their 3G emblem with a, a 4G one. Um, and AT&T is uh, doing the same thing again here in the States with 5G. They have um, a very minimally faster network, and they're calling it 5G-E, um, and carriers like Apple are already putting uh, 5G on their on their uh, service bars to make it look like they're the first ones with 5G, but it's nowhere close to true 5G that we should expect to see in the next couple of years. I wonder if Apple had any part in these shenanigans or if they just kind of at the mercy of whatever the cell towers send out as like the logo to stick up in the corner. I mean, it's it's not quite what the cell towers send out. Um, not the iPhone specifically, but I was watching a, a video about there's an LG phone that can also get 5GE and it specifically had a software update and the patch notes just said added 5GE logo. <laughs> so, I mean, it's... The manufacturers themselves are doing this because it, it looks good on everyone. AT&T says they're the first ones with the 5G, and the phones say, look, we already support 5G. And I mean, it's kind of a win-win for everyone, but except the consumers, of course, who are being misled about exactly what they're getting. And the other um, phone companies who aren't doing this and are actually putting money into rolling out a, an actual right. 5G network. I feel the same way about 5G as I did with 4G uh, back when it was starting to roll out. Uh, I felt like Apple entered the market at the perfect time with the iPhone 5. Uh, by that point, the technology was mature enough that there was LTE coverage in most areas and the technology had matured enough that batteries weren't draining quickly and they wasn't overheating. And I'm perfectly fine with Apple sitting on the sideline for a couple of years to do the same thing with 5G. I personally didn't find 3G all that slow, except when you're in uh, like a heavily... Um, say like a sporting game or a music event or something like that and then it was basically unusable and 4G did make that better but just day to day right I never found 3G slow 4G certainly not and yeah I'm also quite happy for uh, a chip that uh, sips battery at a a, a slow rate and um, just kind of something you don't have to think about and that's that's the essence of it if you don't have to think about the wireless speed, then it's doing its job. Yeah. And for, for me, most of the time, LTE does that. So I'm not too concerned. Exactly. Something that does bother me a little bit, and this is kind of a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we, were never, we were never supposed to get 5G. 5G wasn't supposed to happen. Um, we got 4G. And we have LTE, and LTE stands for Long-Term Evolution. 
And it was supposed to be this umbrella name for wireless network that continually gets better. And it was supposed to prevent carriers from having this race, race to who gets 5G next, who gets 6G next. And LTE was supposed to be just the net, the service name. And it, it didn't last very long. And people are already trying to get new. And this is just mostly for marketing that we're calling it 5G. And it's exactly that reason that carriers are, are rushing to 5G now when LTE was supposed to prevent that. I was never going to fly. Was it just calling it LTE? I mean, you have to have something to sell. I mean, you have to have something. Yeah, for the, exactly. <laughs> you have to have like the next thing to tweet about, don't you? Well, someone yeah. quite important in your country commented, uh, tweeted that 6G should be at the forefront of um, of the technology sector. <laughs> <laughs> Can't remember who that was. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> um, you know, we can just call things whatever we want. You know, there's nothing stopping us from calling 5G 6G. That's... There's not like a set standard of 6G that's just not technically possible yet, but one day we'll get there. Speaking of naming, have you seen the the latest USB 3 naming and specs that have come out? Mm. Mm. I've <laughs> I've like a yes. I've read head I read headlines that it's very confusing and misleading. I haven't dug into it yet, but because of the current state of USB 3 and C and 3.1 and Thunderbolt I'm not surprised that they're making it even more confusing. Yeah, they're getting all sorts of weird naming. One case in point, um, the 20 gigabit spec is going to be named USB 3.2 Gen 2 2 by 2 There you go, that's the name. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, the, the actual suggested marketing names are just going to be changed to... I'll probably get this wrong, but it's something like USB 3.2 and then the speed that it's capable of. So USB 3.2, mm-hmm. 20 gigabits per second. And that's the biggest drawback of having unified ports is they're all going to look the same, but they're all going to do something different, which kind of defeats the purpose of going to a unified port. If they're not all going to behave the same, they might as well be different shapes so people aren't accidentally plugging in things that don't work. So if we go from uh, high-tech, talking about um, 6G and uh, 20 gigabit uh, USB 3, all the way down to um, this great little uh, post by FireWire9000, a very appropriate name. (laughs) Today the battery of my Apple TV remote died. The last time I charged it was July 2018. So he must be talking about the the Apple TV remote with the lithium battery, not the, the button that charges via lightning. Well, that's right. nice. It's a, it's a real change of pace to talk about uh, tiny little batteries in Apple TV remotes. Man, Apple does a lot of things bad, including design the remotes poorly, according to according to the subreddit, at least. The Siri remote is poor quality, but their battery life is great. <laughs> we can all celebrate. It's kind of weird sometimes which topics end up at the top of the subreddit, isn't it? 3D scanning a dog yeah. and uh, the duration of an Apple TV remote battery. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have any Apple TVs? No, I'm actually not a TV house at all. I don't have a TV, so there's really no point in me owning uh, an Apple TV. Sure. What about you? Uh, I've I've got kind of a, an interesting setup with with my Apple TVs. Um, I got this this case to add wireless charging to like iPhone sixes, uh, and it just it's just this little like ribbon cable that plugs in the lightning port and it's supposed to, it's got this chi coil. It's supposed to stick to the back of your phone so you can charge it. Um, but I actually took that and, and trimmed it down a bit and I've stuck it on my Apple TV remotes and I have chi pads around the house. So if you're in the living room, you can set your phone on the charger. Um, but also if you're not using the remote, the remote can just sit on the charger. So I haven't really had to consciously worry about charging my remote in a long time. Wait, you have a, a bare chi coil taped to the back of your Apple TV remote. <laughs> Doesn't it stick out the side? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, no, it's it was... The pad, the, the sticky pad itself, that was supposed to stick to the back of your phone, was slightly larger than the remote, but the coil inside of that pad wasn't any wider than the remote. So I just took some scissors and I trimmed off the edges. Wow. And it fit perfectly along the back. Uh... And that's it's worked really well for me. I haven't had to consciously worry about it 
charging the remote in a long time. And I feel like it could be something Apple could integrate in the future. They could put a Qi charger in the top of the Apple TV and you just set your remote on top of it. Ah, yeah. I mean, the only um, possible downside to that is that Apple TV is often like boxed away in a cupboard somewhere. A little hard to get to. That's true. Yeah, if you tuck it away. But yeah, with the the wireless future, you know, we should have Qi chargers built into every um, coffee table and TV cabinet soon enough, according to IKEA at least. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Or you just set it on top of your phone to charge it. Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah. So, so I guess that's the second thing too. Is I use my phone to control my Apple TV a lot more than I use the remote, because uh, I can just get into my control center and pull up the remote. And navigating is just as fast. And when I get to text entry, I can type on the keyboard instead of doing the swipe typing on the remote. So practically, the phone has replaced the remote for me. Right. So it's actually in control center now, isn't it? This is how out of touch I am with TVs. So you don't have to open the remote app anymore to get to it? You don't even have to have the remote app on your phone. Uh, so neat. it's just a control center widget. You don't have, you don't have to tap into it or anything. You just you just three D touch the widget and it pops up into a bigger box and it's got all the controls right there. It's access from the lock screen. It's super quick and easy. Uh, and that's that's one of those small things that really uh, keeps me loyal to the Apple ecosystem is those uh, integrations. I've got a policy. This is why I don't have a TV. This is a small tangent. I've got a policy that if a piece of tech takes more than one cable to operate, then I don't want it. So a TV requires like <laughs> power going into it and then like the free-to-air mm-hmm. antenna and then it needs the HDMI input. So that's the Apple TV plus the Apple TV needs like, mm-hmm. a cable going to power as well. So you very quickly end up with this spaghetti, which uh, I don't know. Maybe I've got <laughs> some sort of weird complex about it that that's I should see a psychologist quite about. Quite a rule. But <laughs> yeah, you would you would go crazy if you saw some of my setups. <laughs> my... my uh, my desk at home, I've got a uh, a tower PC for gaming or whatever Windows stuff I need to do. And I've got a, a lightning dock, that, or, or not a lightning dock, a Thunderbolt 3 dock that I was docking my MacBook Pro in until I sold it. And then going from those two devices to my three monitors is 20 HDMI cables two HDMI splitters, and two HDMI switches. Did you say 20 HDMI cables? Yes, 20 HDMI cables. (laughs) Because there's HDMI cables, multiple running from the MacBook Pro and multiple running from the tower. They're all going into different splitters or into monitors. And those splitters are splitting the signals, so I have duplicate signals of some things. And those are going into switches... And then those switches are all connected to the monitors as well. And with a remote, I can choose how many screens of each operating system I'm seeing and which of my three screens are displaying those operating systems. And HDMI cables aren't exactly routable, are they either? They're like pretty heavy-duty cables <laughs> in most cases. Although Apple's it's, it's kind nice. of a rat's nest. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of a rat's nest. <laughs> all right. I'll pretend I didn't hear that. So we can continue being friends. <laughs> I am James VDM on Reddit and on Twitter. And I'm Jelly Woot on Reddit and Twitter. And we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash the Apple Show, where patrons can listen to us live as we talk. Although now you'll only get my AirPod audio, so... <laughs> I'll have to work out some way around that. Maybe iOS 13 solves that problem. Fingers crossed. How are you uh, finding the new house? Are you used to the the neighbor's front door yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm no more, <laughs> no longer spooked when a front door opens or closes nearby. Yeah, no, it's nice. <laughs> it's, um, we're slowly kidding it out with things. Um, nice. The last house was a lot bigger, so we had like more stuff, and the last place also had built-in mm-hmm. storage in every room, so we've had to go out and get cupboards and bookshelves and. We're slowly bringing those things in. We've got this Facebook group system here. I'm not sure if it's like worldwide or what. It's called Buy Nothing. Uh, it's it's like hyper local. Like my suburb alone has two of these groups. I'm in the, the South Scarborough group, um, huh. and people just post stuff they don't want anymore. So behind me right now is this like $400 IKEA um, bookshelf 
which someone just said, oh, like, we've upgraded another one. Does someone want this? So, of course, it's like wow. 300 metres down the street. I just walked down and carried it home. <laughs> and a lot of our houses actually kitted out. Our couches kitted out from buy nothing. Um, yeah, all sorts of things. And the, the closest thing we have to that would be like, the there's a free section on Craigslist, but usually that's like really old and filthy mattresses or firewood, and that's about the only two things you see on there. Right, right, yeah. Well, so we, our Craigslist is called Gumtree, and it's exactly the same. Uh, right. I think it's because it's not like uh, really localized to a particular area. You've just got like the whole city can post and nab stuff from there. That all the good stuff right. goes instantly because people just have like alerts set up for everything that goes up there. And uh, sure. all that's left is the crap. <laughs> so and that's really cool. I haven't seen any groups like that, but I'm not really on Facebook enough to to even know if there's hyper local groups like that. Yeah, I've only recently found it as well. It's worth a look, though. Okay, I'll have to ask my girlfriend. She's really into the Facebook groups thing, so she might already be on them. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's how I found <laughs> about it. Found out about ours. Too. Yeah. <laughs> 